When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, you know, I, I, I'm excited about uh, today's interview for a very uh, specific reason. And it has to do with something that I played with for a long time. Uh, and it has to do with the imagination. Yeah, and then I talk about imagination in one sense here. Imagination for me lives at the threshold of spirit. It's, it's that liminal space that allows me to move into something that isn't worldly in the sense that it, it's, uh, it's outside of my senses. And who we have uh, today to talk to, who I have the great honor of talking to today, uh, is Sandy Hart. And um, she has got a fascinating book called The Liminal Odyssey. And when I was first presented with the opportunity to consider having her on the show, I, I looked at the title and I went, ooh, <laughs> I mean, just the title. Yeah, the idea of liminal, you know, liminal is that space that uh, kind of lives between what is, you know, what's now and what's next. You know, kind of that's that, that place of unknown, which can be frightening for people. And it can also be exhilarating. And so, yeah, Sandy's done all kinds of work. I mean, one of the things that I'm fascinated with here is, and I'm just going to, you know, recite a couple of things here. Um, she's, first of all, being inducted into the Women's Oral History Library at Claremont College. And Claremont is you know, a fascinating place to begin with. Uh, Warren Bennis, uh, uh, you know, came from there. Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, spent some time with Warren a number of years ago, uh, yeah, doing some work. Um, you know, she's founded and served as the director of the Charter for Compassion's Women and Girl Sector. So compassion. And this is one of the reasons I was so excited about having her on the show, you know, with my book, Compassionate Capitalism, yeah, A Journey to the Soul of Business. There is, there's a liminal space that's involved with that. So yeah, that's me on my soapbox right now. I want to just stop talking for a moment here and have uh, Sandy say hello. So Handy, yes, yeah, Sandy Hart, welcome to uh, the Soul of Business. I am delighted to be here, Blaine. Thanks so much for having me and saying yes. Yeah. Oh, my. Saying yes was easy. <laughs> saying yes was <laughs> yeah, You had me at hello sort of a thing. <laughs> okay. So yeah, yeah. talk to me a little bit about your journey uh, here. Um, it's, I, I think, a little unusual in the sense that not a lot of uh, people consciously, deliberately, and intentionally will go into an exploration of this liminal space uh, concept. Uh, you know, we kind of stumble into it sometimes, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I know when my uh, wife passed uh, 12 years ago, I was dropped right into the middle of the unknown. And it was a transformative experience in, in so many ways. But yeah, how, how did you get interested in this? How does it inform the work that you do? And just, I mean, I'll just open the door here. Let's see where we go. Because I'm interested in how this applies to the soul of business. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Um, How's that for fire hose? Wow. <laughs> Where do I begin? Well, first of all, I only recently learned or heard, I should say, the word liminal. I knew it meant threshold. I knew it meant threshold between crisis and action to limit and choice. I also imagined it being the liminal space we are in right now in our evolutionary growth spurt. So it, 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 the length of time in that liminal space or the length of opportunity um, can be a momentary opportunity or we could be really in the middle of a, of a bend of time, right? It could be hundreds of years too as we are evolving and who knows how long that will take or how long that takes, I should say. But, but what we do in that space makes it the odyssey. Yeah. And to be aware and timeful, which is a word I coined, um, is where we really recognize this moment as a grand opportunity to just stretch it to its fullest opportunity, even if it's a crack in the sidewalk and a crimson red flower is coming out of, of, of it. You can stop and wonder with curiosity and awe and go, what is this about? So that's what it means to step to, to be aware of those liminal spaces. It doesn't have to be a crisis. Right. But I've always had a propensity to stretch every opportunity. And I really didn't know that. I just, I just thought that was, you know, it is my nature, but I just assumed everybody sort of did. And as I went through life and I started seeing um, friends just missing these opportunities to go out and have so much fun in these spaces, um, I started thinking about what a travesty it is, because for me, it's expanded my life in ways that I could never have imagined. It's afforded me these incredible opportunities. So to that point, I'll share with you how I got started in this and how it found yeah. me, Please. Um, I, I, how I found it. Um, I, I have for about 15 or so years been trying to tell a story about an experience that happened to me in 1982 with the Rose Bowl in Southern California mm -hmm. at a no Noops rally and music festival called Peace Sunday. It okay. was a it was a cause concert. There were speakers, politicians, you know, speakers in the form of politicians, environmentalists, celebrities, everyone who was relevant and uh, a celebrity at the at the time. I know Jane Fonda was there, Yoko Ono. Um, and then musicians, everyone who was relevant since per perhaps the 50s and Joan Baez and Bob Dylan had a oh moment on stage together and nobody even knew he was going to show up. You know, it was one of those sort of concerts that lasted about 10 o'clock in the morning till about seven or so at night. Um, and and I think I mentioned there were 100,000 people there. So yeah, the Rose Bowl you know, will hold lot, that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of energy in the air. And Honestly, and in an all candor, I was there for the music. I was there. Somebody gave me four tickets to go. So I gathered some friends and we went to go hear all these bands. Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Wonder, um, Bette Midler. You know, the lineup was really impressive and exciting and fun. It was my Woodstock, you know, and yeah. at 21 years old. And so um, about right when the concert began, right when the program began, the MC came to the stage and announced that someone had left their dog in the car. It's going to be a very hot day. And if that's your dog, please go roll your windows down. 
well, that just hit my nervous system. That just, that just hit me in a way that I couldn't unhear. And there was a low grade boo, you know, that hushed over the crowd. And then Reverend Jesse Jackson came to open up the program. And then between Reverend Jesse Jackson and Taj Mahal, I think it was to start singing for us. Taj Mahal, oh my God. <laughs> I'm yeah. That's right. That I remember. Um, it, uh, started singing. I started chanting because surely they can hear me. And if I chant, it'll get there for sure. What about the dog? What about the dog? What about the dog? I was incensed. I could hear nothing else. And I didn't really have a choice in the matter to lift my voice. I just, I just did. It was an impulse that I had. And, um, and I was drowned out, but my next moment came after Taj Mahal was tearing down and the next speaker was coming to the stage. But now my friends started in with me. We got drowned out. This happened a couple more times before our entire section was chanting. What about the dog? What? And it was coming now from the other side of the stadium, which is when I knew this was something meaningful. I, I still get full body right now. I've been telling the story and I tell it uh, all the time. About seven o'clock when Mr. Stevie Wonder was led to the microphone because he was going to ask us for five minutes of silence to pray for peace. The MC came back and said, so you want to know about the dog? Because this had gone on all day long. There was no moments of silence. Uh, and and uh, so she goes, the dog is fine. And I, re I just remember trash flying in the air. And I, I think that got a bigger applause than anybody that day. But there was something there. And I, it, over time, I forgot about it. And about 15 years or so later, I was, or no, 25 years later, I was having to go at a very spontaneous invitation to come to the top of a room at a small gathering of leaders uh, in the interfaith work that I do and to tell an interesting story about ourselves because we were spending the weekend together at this retreat and let's just start like that. Well, I didn't think I had an interesting story but that one came out of my mouth. Yeah. And, okay, there is something there. And my friends have been urging me for about 15 or so years to tell this story but I didn't have enough of a story to write. I couldn't fill a chapter, maybe even a few pages with what happened. Pretty much everything I just said to you. Until I heard this word liminal, and for perhaps the third time I picked up a pen and started writing this story and thinking, what was going on in me that day? What was it? Um, and I started thinking about, okay, there was some reverent listening there. So I started writing about that. Mm -hmm. And then before I knew it, all these other stories just proliferated out of me, 11 more stories, real stories that each were anchored in some skill or quality or element of, of you know, of, or a condition such as recognizing the trust frequency that was happening in me um, at that moment. Um, in that particular story or um, or some of the uh, the 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 baggage I had to drop in terms of recognizing and understanding what generational trauma was about and these patterns I was living in and assumptions I was carrying and, uh, and my awareness started to peak and then cultivating synchronicity started appearing. And I, and, and a couple of the story, uh, the stories, including the one entitled cultivating synchronicities happen in real time as I'm writing the pages real, crazy wild 
miraculous things happen to me as the words are coming out of my fingertips. And so that's how the rest of the book went. Of course, I couldn't tell the story 15, 20 years ago because I hadn't lived enough of my life or I didn't know these skills. That's timeful. Timefulness. Timefulness, but, yes. Yeah. Kairos yeah. time also. That's another one, understanding Kairos time, you know, God's time, spirit's God's time. time. Yeah, Kairos, yeah. You know, I I, I love this, uh, Sandy. This, I mean, I, I, you know, I've got chills here just you know, as, you're, as you're speaking about this. The idea of yeah, uh, that, that voice, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, what about the dog? Yeah, you know, one voice, a hundred thousand people eventually taking it on. One voice. How often do we find ourselves not listening to that one voice? And I'm talking, I'm talking about being personal here. Just that that voice in, inside me that animates me. Yeah, that, that voice that animates my business, that one voice that gets drowned out by the cacophony of everything that's going on around me. Mm -hmm. And taking the time to breathe and to entertain the question, what about the dog? Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, the, the, I'm gonna, yeah, that's a meme. It's a, it's a wonderful metaphor. What about the dog? What yeah. about the dog? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to use that as part of my meditation. What about the dog? What, you know, just kind of drop into something here that begins to evoke something else. That's, folks, as you're listening here, I mean, I, I really want you to pay attention to you know, what Sandy's actually you know, illustrating. Because yeah, from, for a business, we get so consumed on a daily basis with the activity of busyness, the activity of business, that we don't hear that voice. What about the dog? And, and it's an opportunity that's missed. It's an opportunity. And the idea of uh, you know, liminal space, it's, it's, it's this notion of, it's a passage into unknown growth. It's a passage into unknown you know, potential. And unknown being the key word here, I can't be in a place to move into that until I quiet myself enough to sit with the question, what about the dog? <laughs> it's that it's that's all it is it, awareness of our autonomic nervous system also helps mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. you know we have this newly developed part of our brain the limbic system that, that regulates our nervous system um recognizing who's in charge in terms of our archetypal presence in that moment you know who is really driving the ship right now awareness of who we are so we are as prepared as possible to midwife this unknown place that's calling us right you talked yeah. about the unknown we don't know where we're going but we know we're on our way and by the way that was a quote of a baptist reverend who raised his big fist when someone says where's this compassion movement going and he stood up in the audience, stand up, he's seven foot tall, and he goes like this. And he, by the way, was a civil rights activist with Dr. King himself. Yeah. We don't know where we're going, but we know we're on our way. And I can't <laughs> get that out of my heart because it's our responsibility and our privilege and the, and the responsibility and the privilege of business. And by yeah. the way, this stuff's profitable. <laughs> it is. It's incredibly profitable. You know, uh, the folks that are regular listeners to the show, they've heard me cite this title before. A very good friend of mine, Raj Sisodia, wrote a book called Firms of Endearment. 
And it was a precursor to you know, the, the Conscious Capitalism book that he and John, John Mackey wrote. Uh, but the idea of compassion, um, and then, you know, when I wrote Compassionate Capitalism, I was looking for the behavioral analog to consciousness. You know, what does is, what is, you know, being awake actually looks like? And I don't mean woke, I mean awake. You know, what does being awake look like? The realization that things are connected, everything is connected. What does that look like behaviorally? Well, it looks like if I'm actually attending to it, from a behavioral standpoint, that I am acting as if I care because I am connected. I can't not care. And compassion is not present when connection is not witnessed and experienced, not, not, not just witnessed, but experienced. So, you know, when I look at business, the idea of compassionate capitalism, I think that there is a liminal space that it's, that's transitory, that's transition. There's, there's that, that space that business leaders have to move into um, if they're going to actually behave in a way that is holistically generative. Yeah, that is you know, healthy for the environment, the healthy for the people, healthy for consumers, healthy for the economy, healthy for just you know, fill in the blank. How do, how, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious, yeah. How does that movement happen from your perspective? How do, how, do we, how do we actually move into that liminal space where it's unknown? It's unknown. And it's excitingly unknown, but it's also anxiety. There's anxiousness, unknownness that kind of comes into play with this. Well, accept that and honor the anxiousness to know what it's rooted in, first of all. And, and remember, when we are excited about something, when we're creating something, we're in a creative state, um, we're opening up for all kinds of possibilities. So just the state of mind in itself is important. Um, but we are what we value and we measure what we value. Dr. Rianne Eisler, The Real Wealth of Nations, mm -hmm. she's... Um, I've done a number of things with Dr. Eisler, um, hosted her. I consider her a dear friend. Um, she's developed the social wealth economic indicators. Yep. Indicating that, you know, the, the gross national product does not represent where the value of our country is. Mm -hmm. The value of our country is in care and caregiving. It's in the compassion. It's in the caregiver because we're growing you know, we're growing a system through our next generation. So the value that we put uh, in any given place is what we're going to measure. And perhaps it's a good idea to question the assumptions of what we're measuring. Yeah, And that's just part of this. That's part of what this, the liminal odyssey, my ultimate desire would be if I had one, because there's something for everybody. It's all very different because my stories are all so unique. But the, the, the ultimate, what would tickle me to, to, to no end is to know that we are evolving in terms of that level of assumption. You know, and this is, and this, you know, we can't blame our current situation on this. This goes back to 900 CE. This yeah. goes back to actually the agrarian age where we learned to commoditize our planet and separate ourselves from our planet. That condition of separation, like we have dominion over the seed. Yeah. Yeah. Where did we come from? <laughs> we are of the sea. We don't have dominion over the sea. Exactly. You know, it's interesting. I mean, you just mentioned that, you know, the blood, the composition of the blood, uh, the blood is essentially the same composition as seawater. 
Oh. Which. Wow. Yeah. My first uh, thought is gross. I really should. But <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's a it's a it, you know, chemically. You know, I mean, there's just uh, it's there's not a whole lot of difference. You know, this is why you can get a saline uh, in, uh, transfusion. Yet what what the image I've gotten is to have reverence for our city, for reverence what runs through our streets. You know, the culture that we are each creating. And by the way, culture is nothing more than a collective agreement of all of its parts. Yes. I'm a community builder. And that's what was so exciting for me about the, the, the Charter for Compassion and the Cities of Compassion movement. And by the yep. way, I know you were in Seattle and Seattle was the first city. Of the first. Yeah. 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 Yeah, as a matter of fact, I've got a, uh, I am a uh, proud displayer of and member of the uh, Charter for Compassion. It's on uh, on our websites. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Been, oh, good. Oh, yeah. Good. So, You've been doing um, a lot of work with that. Uh, well, that's great. We'll have to have another conversation about oh, that. We're, we're going to. We're going to take a real quick break here right now. When I come back, I want you, know, you mentioned GNP, Gross National Product. I want to bring something else into the conversation when we come back, and it's called GNB. Gross National Benefit, oh, and see where we go with this. So we're talking to Sandy Hart. We'll be right back. We're going to take a real quick break. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on leadership mastermind now why i want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful and by going onto that site and clicking that link you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind it's a 52 week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast-changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to BlaineBartlett.com and click on the services link and there you'll find the link to the Leadership Mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial and now back to our show. Hello, welcome back. You know, right before we took a break, I, I, I had mentioned to Sandy that we're going to be, uh, or I'd like to at least explore, open up uh, a liminal space here for us to explore uh, the distinction between gross national product and gross national benefit. And, I, you know, I'm not sure there is such a thing as gross national benefit. I just invented it. I saw <laughs> something that uh, she said just a little bit earlier in our conversation because I got to thinking about, you know, if I'm, being, if I'm acting compassionately, I'm acting for the benefit of the whole, because again, compassion is predicated on the experience and the awareness of connection. Everything's connected. So yeah, the charter for compassion, yeah, benefiting the whole. I mean, this is, this is what yeah, my work is about. Yeah, how to, how, you know, business taking responsibility for the whole, businesses, activities, 
being conducted in a way that the whole benefits, not just a chunk of the whole benefits. So, yeah, I don't know that I've got a, a, an embedded question here, Sandy, but I'd just kind of like to open up a conversation with you about, you know, this, this notion of um, benefit, you know, gross national benefit. How, how might that get measured? How might we pay attention to that? How might we actually bring something to the table for people to have conversation about? Yeah, I, I I don't know that I can answer that because I'm not I'm I'm not Rianne Eisler. I think she can yeah. just answer that best. But there is such a thing as gross uh, as gross national benefit, not just and because you've coined that and because you've named it into being, there is because it's now asking the question, what is it? Mm -hmm. And that would be a question for CEOs and mid-level managers and managers at at, at the the lower level of management, which in my opinion are really the higher level of management, yeah, uh, right? But how it's understood. And so what is that? What does that look like? And I'd ask that question to corporate executives and every and the like, because they know perhaps, perhaps they're, um, you know, I think it's, again, it's that culture, um, that concept of culture that we, it's what we agree upon. Yeah. So I don't know the answer for the economic, you know, stability of a of a corporation. There, you know, you know, the B corps and mm -hmm. um, and there are corporations out there. And the Charter for Compassion has an entire section on business. Yes, it does. And, and so, um, but when we operate in a state of enlightened interest, you know, this is what it means to be a spiritual activist. This language is very warm and fuzzy, right? So how mm -hmm. do we speak the language? And this is um, really important that, and I think you're the perfect um, candidate, the perfect soul to bring this to the corporate world. Well, you know, that notion of enlightened interest, you know, enlightened self-interest, yeah. that, that was actually you know, what Adam Smith, the wealth of nations, yeah, yeah, when he talked about the invisible hands of commerce, he was really talking about enlightened self-interest. Yeah, he recognized that you know human beings are self-interested. You know, we we look for our own benefit, but enlightened self-interest, and this goes back to his first book, you know, the theory of moral sentiment, which he wrote about 14 years before he wrote The Wealth of Nations. Yeah, that um, morally present individuals will act for the greater good, as well as acting for themselves. It's not an either-or; it's an and. And it's in that and that benefit gets derived, which is the wealth of nations. Uh, you know, it just kind of you know, runs from there. That 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 got polluted many, many, many years ago, uh, and we, we don't operate that way you know, today, uh, for the most part. In many ways, uh, there, however, are some indications that that is shifting. And so, it, it, I guess where I'm you know, riffing you know, to that will, <laughs> you know, I'll culminate with this is the liminal space um, that occurs when I'm asking a question, what about the dog? What is, you know, these are living questions. These are living questions. These are not questions that, it's, that are, uh, you know, when I ask about, you know, how would you play with uh, gross national benefit? I know there's not an answer. But what I ask you know, a question that is a living question, it causes movement. And that's what question, you know, a really well-formed question will cause movement. It doesn't seek an answer, it seeks movement. 
And that's the power of a well-structured question. And I'm not claiming that, you know, what's, what, you know, what's gross national benefit um, is, is a well-formed question. But, you know, in your experience in the work that you do in the book, that the, you know, it's an odyssey. You know, there's journeys involved. Yeah, and as we kind of close this off here, can you talk a little bit about your own journey from the perspective of what's a living question that has kept you in the game of life and living life in the fullest way that you possibly can? Am I in my integrity? I constantly I ask integrity? myself that question. Am I in my integrity? And that's not a judgy statement on mor my morality, because I'm pretty mm -hmm. okay with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I'm a moral upstanding person. And, you know, um, and I've gotten more so as I've gotten older and saw the, the, the benefit of it <laughs> as I've grown into it. Yet, um, am I in my wholeness? Am I, am I living my authentic, true soul purpose? Am I following my sacred marching orders? And my, and my question is always to my soul, because when you ask uh, your soul that question, it removes the filter of the system of domination you know, that fear, which we could go into when we're talking about why corporations, um, you know, where could we go with that? You know, let's talk oh, about yeah. fear of responding and like, just get that bottom number, just get that dollar coming in. It doesn't matter what happens. It's, we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Or who, who, you know, we don't have compassion for those who are suffering at the, at the hand of this. And I can name a couple of corporations right off the map, which I won't, but um, that are to make their dollar is really destroying cultures. Um, so the, 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 the question to ask is, um, well, there's more than one, but in my living my integrity, which includes, involves well-questioning assumptions, because I think we have been duped by patriarchy's charms. Yes. That things have to be this way. We have to hurry. I mean, look at television commercials. Television commercials were, were thrown about, I think I counted once, 30 in maybe five or 15, no, 15 minutes. I saw 30 commercials, maybe more. And they're all how I can be richer, prettier, um, you know, thinner if I buy their stuff right now. I don't have time to stop and think about, hmm, is that what authentic happiness is? Or but I do have enough time to remember the phone number to call. So, you know, are we being played here? And I think we've been duped. And this well, is again, yeah. yeah. So, but, but it's time. We have a responsibility and a privilege to step into those spaces, be timeful, question, and then discover and disclose our soul's purpose. And when we all show up in that way, we are all operating in enlightened self-interest. Yes, we are. Yeah. The, the whole, the idea of authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. The way that I've ended up defining that in the work I do, it's what's left when I stop trying to impress you. Oh, it's, yes. it's just what's left. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. It's, it's, you know, when I stop trying to manage the way that you see me, what you get is me. And there we go. And advertising today is all about managing how we see the product and how we, I mean, it's, uh, I can go on forever on this. We're not going to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we've been listening uh, to Sandy Hart. Uh, Sandy, where can people find out more about uh, the work that you're doing? LiminalOdyssey.com. 
And um, and I have a little special offer for you. If you buy the book from the website and use the promo code Alchemy, you'll get a little discount, free shipping, and a little gift inside that hopefully will surprise and delight you. All right. I'm going to cancel my Amazon order and order directly from you. Well, yes, I hope I'm please do. Please do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Liminalodyssey.com. I'll have all this in the show notes. Uh, sure. Folks, pick the book up. Um, the, the full title, The Liminal Odyssey, The Alchemical, Alchemical uh, Power of the Spaces in Between. The Spaces in Between. What's between the facade that I project to the world and the soul that actually brings life to who I am and what I do? That's the challenge. That's that's the question. And actually, the real question is, um, what about the dog? Yeah. <laughs> what about the dog? Play with that question. Honestly, play with that question. It's a very cool question. What about the dog? There's something inside me that wants to woof. <laughs> I think it's the question we'll be asking ourselves until we evolve as humanity. I think that's true. I think that's true. I hope so. Sandy, thank you for sharing. I've I've loved this conversation. I could, uh, we could, for me, I can, yeah, just carry this on forever. I'd love to have you back if you're uh, open to it. Anytime. Okay. Anytime. Folks, you've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, check out my website, blainebartlett.com. There's some stuff up there. Uh, we're always posting new material. Uh, as most of you know that listen to this show, uh, probably, yeah, yeah, 100% of my, if not close to 100% of my IP is all available for free in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, snoop around the website. You're, you'll probably be surprised with what you can find and use. Until next time, consider yourself to be a center of distribution, not a center of accumulation, and go out and play. Take care. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.